Hi, this is The Greatest Story Ever Played. I'm Dan, and I'm joined by two guests. I've got Jacob. Hi. And Katie. Hello. They're from Cutscenes Together and Jacob with Left Behind Game Club. Uh, and they've, of course, both been on numerous times. Uh, welcome back. It's great to be back. Thank you so much for having us. I really wanted to talk about this game, so I'm excited when you brought it up. Yeah, me too. We're going to be talking about Before Your Eyes. Super stoked to talk about this with both of them. Before we dive into the game, though, if you haven't heard about cutscenes or Left Behind Gang Club, I'm going to let them uh, tell you about what they do. Okay, I will go first and talk about the Left Behind Game Club. Uh, it is a video game book club podcast, uh, not too dissimilar to this show, uh, except we have a broader focus beyond story-driven games. Uh, Dan's been on the show before. Uh, so if you're interested in a positive, informative, and funny take on video games, uh, check us out on all major podcasting platforms. We've got over 120 episodes in the feed, so uh, tons there, different strokes for different folks from a video game perspective. Katie, how about cutscenes? What's that? Oh my goodness, I haven't done this in a minute. I haven't had to pitch this in a bit. All right, it is a seasonal podcast, uh, which has me, Jacob, and also another friend of ours, Travis Colnut, and we talk about video game movies or TV. So each episode centers on a different movie or TV show, and we kind of talk about it, hash it out, give our takes, our likes, our dislikes. We have three seasons in the can that are available to listen to it's cutscenes a video game movie podcast and it's on all your major podcasting platforms so give it a listen yes oh yeah awesome thank you definitely check their shows out they're both fantastic go listen to them your uh podcast listening will be even better by having them part of it for sure they're great cool well i guess with that we can jump into before your eyes would one of you want to grab that description for the game i would love to Embark on an emotional first-person narrative adventure where you control the story and affect its outcomes with your real-life blinks. With this innovative technique, you will fully immerse yourself in a world of memories, both joyous and heartbreaking, as your whole life flashes before your eyes. Wow. And also, this game was developed by Goodbye World Games. And something interesting about this, too, is the initial like concept of this game came from a uh, Kickstarter called Close Your. And I think it was where they first sort of developed the eye blink technology kind of idea of moving through a game. So I thought that was kind of cool. I haven't played Close Your, but uh, I'm sure anything that happened there made a, a big impact on this cool product we finally got. It reminded me a lot of like how Night in the Woods really started as like a, an experiment that I believe was kickstarted as well. I just love seeing the games that like you know, build out a proof of concept on Kickstarter or itch and then become something much bigger in a real retail product, if you will. Yeah, totally. It, it's great to see something like that break out because I'm sure there are plenty of good things that don't end up getting further. And so it's really nice to celebrate the ones that do. That's cool. Cool. One thing we wanted to do before we got into kind of the nitty gritty of Before Your Eyes is do a little bit of non-spoiler thoughts. This could give you an idea of if this is a game you want to check out, maybe some impressions we have about it without, a, I don't know, spoiling main story beats. So I can start off one thing about this game I really liked was the voice acting in it. I thought that specifically I really liked the ferryman as a character. I thought their voice acting was really cool. And I also thought the parents in this game were really good and 
I think they all just really reflected who their characters were really strongly. So that really like stood out to me in this is like, these feel like real people and they're really selling it. So that was one thing I really liked in this game. Even the bit roles though, too, like the uh, piano auditioner, I won't get into spoilers and the neighbor girl as well, like going into spoilers. I think even though those are bit roles, those were also like really well acted. Yeah, completely agree. And even and just the characters are like you said fully fleshed out and they feel like like the dad feels like dads that I know. I'm like, "Oh, that's your dad." <laughs> like he's such a dad. But yeah, no. So they're they're really well done and really well acted. I agree. Yeah, they really do feel like like, "Oh, that's a dad you would know or that's a mom you would know." Like spot on. Yeah. Um that was my main stuff I had. Did either of you have non-spoiler stuff? Yeah, I would love to talk about my game of the year for 2021, uh, Before Your Eyes. Uh, two things. I think the blinking concept we mentioned earlier is novel. Um, I have not played a game like this ever, which I think is is not a thing you can really say. Like, I can't think of the last time that I had something so novel, maybe like Beat Saber or I Have Judgment for the, the PS3 is probably the, the most novel game I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Uh, so I did two playthroughs. One, when the game first came out, it was me on my PC. And then my, my partner ended up playing it the second time and I watched her play it. Uh, the second time we did it on um, my laptop webcam, lighting was less than stellar and she had glasses on and we struggled just a little bit from a technical perspective getting it to work but like once you figure all that out we got to a point where I would say like 90 plus percent of her blinks were registered occasionally her eye would twitch and she would like blink forward in time without spoilers um, but I, I'm really happy this thing exists uh, music super underrated uh, the credit song uh, which I'm sure I'll, I'll mention the name of it later once I remember it, um, was like absolutely perfect. And uh, like I said, I there's not a game in 2021 that I think I liked more than this one. Love it. That's that's super high praise. I love that. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. Um, yeah, I didn't have any issues. I think at one point, middle of the game, my the blinking started to kind of get off kilter a little bit, but you can pause and... Um, uh, re not customize. What's the word I'm looking Recalibrate. for? Recalibrate. Thank you. Um, recalibrate it. And then I did that. And then I had no issues the entire rest of the game. I was really impressed with how accurate it was like right away for my, my during my playthrough. Um, my big thing that I took away one is just the most, we'll get into it. It's like the most emotional experience I've ever had playing a game, especially in such a short amount of time. It's uh, to have that effect on a person is really impressive. And also, and I'll also get into this a bit more later, but I feel like this is a game mechanic married with story that's like the most well executed, that's so, so impactful and on so many different layers that it kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, and also it um, helps tell the story in this way and it helps tell the story in this way. And it like just, it, it's the perfect way to tell the story that has an emotional impact and like emphasizes so many different points. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that this game, like you could have made this game without the blink mechanic, but I don't think it would have hit the same way. Like the, the story being told would have been cool, but with the blink mechanic, it just further you immersed it. Totally agree. Having watched someone else play it, which is a really interesting experience. It's fun to watch 
them struggle with their mm-hmm. emotions and at the same time have a really physical, I don't want to say difficulty, but like you really almost have to exert yourself to play this game in a, in a different way than like physical exertion. And I think it really matched well with the game's themes. Yeah, there's a level of focus. There's a level of focus that the game requires. So you have to focus in on this game. Like you, your your attention cannot waver in any way. You can't be looking at something else or like, oh, my phone's doing this. Or like, no, you have to be completely focused on this game at all times, which I feel like it. then it just, it wrecks you even more. Mm-hmm. Something where you could like pause it and, you know, go grab a drink or, you know, whatever, have something with you while you're doing it. Like full attention, totally needed. I played Psychonauts 2 like this morning and I was like, that game has generous checkpointing and I was like drinking coffee. So every like 30 seconds I was pausing it, sipping coffee, not worrying about my saves at any point in this game. Like you said, not that at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This one, it's like buckle in for your, I don't know, hour and a half, hour 45 and just go through this experience. I think with that too is if you haven't played this, I'd strongly recommend playing it before listening. And I guess even further than that, I would strongly recommend playing rather than like watching a playthrough. I think watching a playthrough is good, but I think that being part of it, like it's so experiential that I would highly encourage that. Agree. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Cool. Well, okay. Those are our non-spoiler thoughts. If you haven't played, please go play. Come back in an hour and a half and come hear what we have to say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So now we're going into kind of our recap. There's going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So yeah, away we go. So the game begins and it gives you like a very brief tutorial of how the Blink system works. First, they show you like an eye logo and say, you know, when you see this, blink at it and that will move you forward in that part of the story so you'll like be sitting in an area and it will want you to look left you'll see the logo metronome and when that's moving you blink and that will move you forward so it has you do a lot of test blinks it gets your blinks calibrated like we talked about and if that all works out you're in good lighting all that stuff you're good to go and now you're on to your experience the game begins with you waking up in a kind of an ocean that's and you like pass out and you get scooped up by a wolf who's anthropomorphic so kind of like um i don't know night in the woods or something like picture something like that and this wolf pulls you out and explains to you that hey you're uh, a soul basically you don't have your body anymore uh but you're still you and he chose to scoop you out over any other soul to take you to the gatekeeper he's got a good feeling about you so he's like kind of explaining you to the world you're in the gatekeeper is Someone you're going to go to, the wolf will take you there, uh, the ferryman, and you'll explain your life story. And the gatekeeper then will judge whether or not you're worthy of entering into their city um, based on your life story. And the gatekeeper is like an inspiring orator, essentially. It's like, if I can speak well enough and tell your story well enough, then you'll get in. And so, you know, he's like... When he's describing what he wants to do, he's like trying to come up with fancier words to do it and that kind of thing. He immediately reminded me of someone who like does Shakespearean theater, but like on an amateur basis. Like that, that to me is the ferryman. 
like the drama kid in uh, in like university who's like yeah. <laughs> yeah reading their lines to themselves by the trees yeah yeah Romeo he, uh... Romeo wherefore art thou Romeo <laughs> yeah exactly yeah he's really focused on like your story has to be good enough like we have to make sure it's good enough and I'm like that's an odd choice because it's your life like your life's de- it's your life it's your life he's like no it's got to be good enough I'm like okay I guess I mean. I don't know if I'd pass that even, but sure, let's do it. <laughs> right, yeah, you're you're really like going in like, all right, I don't, I don't know what this gatekeeper will want, and hopefully this guy's the right ally to get me there. Like, I, I don't know. Do I want to actually go to this place? Like, maybe. <laughs> and so then he says, okay, well. You're going to tell me your life story as, you know, you're a soul. You don't have arms. You don't have legs. You can't talk. So what we're going to do is just blink at me when you're ready to do this. And we'll kind of go through your memories and kind of learn your life story so that I can be able to tell this story to the gatekeeper is sort of our, our premise of how we get here. So the game begins, or I guess the story begins with... You as a baby, I think. Um, And it's like you on the beach with your mom doing like handprint art for your birthday. Your mom's playing piano and you have a toy piano that you like play with along the way. So it's, you know, starts you off as a a toddler, essentially. One of the like early memories you have is your mom working on this musical piece for her mentor that she's trying to create like a, uh, a piece on piano and sets the stage of, you know, young kid growing up basically did anyone else have the experience of your parents getting you like a pet but one of them kind of doesn't like the pet and they're like yeah the cat's here you got you all like the cat and they don't like the cat but they secretly do like the cat but they say they don't it just it reminded me of that i was like oh i've been That's there a dad thing uh it was a mom thing for me Oh, okay. Because I think for me, uh, my memory isn't the best, but I think that I would put it at a higher than 50% chance that I think my dad didn't want cats. Like he loved dogs, didn't want cats. We got two cats and he obviously loved them, but like didn't intend to have would always be like that damn cat, but like actually he loved the cat. cat. Yep. I thought you were going to say, have you had a parents force you into music? Ah, because yes, that was another thing. Yes. Really? So no, I, I have, I yeah. did not have that. Um, um, no, they kind of toyed the, with the idea of me playing piano because my sister played piano. And, and at one point she tried to teach me like two things and I was like, I don't understand this. And it just did not connect with my brain. So no, I, I did not have that in general. I didn't really have that experience of my parents forcing me into things really and being like you're gonna like ah maybe soccer a little bit but you know I was like running I don't want to run this is the worst yeah but they put me in piano and I was terrible and then I wanted to put myself in guitar and I would literally practice 10 minutes a week and my teacher (laughs) approached my parents like hey why isn't Jacob getting any getting any better because he practices (laughs) 10 hours uh, 10 minutes a week right before he has to go for his lesson yeah that's the the Parental themes that they bring in this feel pretty relatable as you go on of like that that sort of tension you can feel. So 
after you kind of see that your mom is sort of an aspiring composer, like wanting it to work out, she shows you this photo album of and tells kind of the story of her family. So her dad, your grandpa, had left his home country to pursue music, got your mom into music at a young age as well. And you also find out that Benny had uh, his parents, uh, your character's Benny B, uh, either way, whatever. Um, but his parents also had met at college. This is in the photo album as well. Uh, the dad was like a professor of some sort of weird, obscure science of sorts. And the mom went there as a uh, composer for uh, music and they'd met there so, uh, as well that was unwanted uh, the dad finds an alley cat with one eye named Ernie and says my kid would love this and brings home a cat not thinking that his wife is allergic to cats uh, and so they end up with the unwanted pet we mentioned earlier that cat was adorable oh my god uh, I think when yes yeah such a cute cat I, I have two cats myself, and uh, one of them has an eye that they they always like blink all the time. So I just got I got pulled on my heartstrings real good there. Yeah, that was the cutest cat. Loved it. Um, <laughs> a great cat. Also, we see mom teaches Benny uh, a couple notes on the piano. So she's like playing piano, and then you're playing along, kind of with her on your toy piano. So that's that's like kind of nice. From here, we see Benny get older. I'm, I'm guessing maybe like, I don't know, seven or eight at this point. Um, also, uh, as we mentioned with the blinks, you can fast forward like moments in time or you might jump days or years. So you kind of figure it out from your context clues, roughly where you are. Yeah, that's something that the, the ferryman very quickly says like, hey, we're going to do this. And every time you blink, you're going to move forward. Sometimes it'll be five seconds. Sometimes it'll be five years. And it was always fun to see how time moved forward as you played, because like he, like he promised, uh, sometimes it's like you're going to move five feet to the left, and other times it's like, cool, you're a teenager now. Yeah, and that kind of plays with how the mechanic, one of the ways that the mechanic kind of plays with the story is that that's kind of how memory works, right? It's like in bits and pieces, chunks here, chunks there, and then big gaps are missing, and it was it it felt like recalling your life like you're like oh i remember this thing but like then there's a bunch in there that it just kind of falls by the wayside like you remember these big moments and or random insignificant things that for some reason stick with you yeah i, I was just thinking that while you were talking is i feel like if someone like tried to force me to recount early memories like this I'm sure there would be a few significant things where I'm like, oh, I remember feeling really angry or sad about this thing. But then I bet there'd other be other things that are just weird things that are like, oh, I remember this one like toy I had or something. Like it would be so, you know, random kind of thing. And I feel like this very much so represents that. Whenever I think of memory, I think of like the serial podcast, the first season. I know, stick with me. I know this is a weird thing. Um, but they say that uh, Adnan Syed, who's the accused in that podcast, he doesn't remember a lot of what happened on that day uh, where he allegedly murdered someone, but it's because he, it was a very normal day for him and nothing out of the ordinary happened. So he didn't remember a lot of the details. So it's always cool to think back in your own memory. The things that you remember most are the dumbest things, but it's stuff that is just so deviated from the norm. I, I often think of like when I was a kid, like going into a convenience store and asking for a scratch ticket. Cause I saw my parents like, always getting them and then getting in a lot of trouble. And it's a weird early memory that I have, 
but that's you remember the things that are different from the norm and I think that's what we're getting here what are the things that either scarred or made the character feel joy and we're just getting the greatest hits of that mm-hmm. took you on a trip there sorry <laughs> no, no no that's great I feel like that that would totally be it if I feel like if someone made me like sit down for an hour and try to do memories things like that would be what I would stick out for sure then yeah so early childhood Benny I don't know seven or eight something like that Benny goes up to the piano and he's able to just play his mom's piece by ear he remembered hearing her play it a whole lot and he just knows how to play piano. So immediately she's like, oh my God, we have a gifted kid. We've got to go all in on this. He's got to be, you know, this musical prodigy. We need to go in and do all these lessons. And so she starts teaching him uh, because they live in a small town. And so there's not a, like an esteemed music teacher there, but she at least went to college for music. So she's pretty good. So she becomes his teacher. A little while later, we find out grandpa's coming to town who hasn't been in the mom's life for like, I don't know, 10 years or something. Like it's been a long time since they've seen each other. But I don't know, because Benny's good at piano. I think that probably struck the occasion of, okay, sure, dad, I wasn't as talented as I'd hoped, but my son, he's really talented. You should come. And mom gives Benny this metronome to kind of get his timing down with the music so that you don't get lost. And she tells this quote to her her son that struck me. It says, uh, the only way to fight against time is to create a work of genius, which might live on after you're gone. And this was something that her dad had said to her when she was around Benny's age. And so she sort of passes this um, uh, quote-unquote wisdom on to her son. (laughs) Um, Mom's toxic, let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, not good. She's vicariously through her son, which I'm sure is something that like, hey, I may do that to my child. Oh, totally. I'm sorry, future child. But we tend to do that because humans are imperfect creatures. Yeah, absolutely. And she clearly loves Benny. Like, she means well. She Mm -hmm. wants him to be successful. But there is this added layer of, if you're successful, I'm kind of more successful. And, like, and Mm -hmm. clearly, like, wants more um, affection. Like, but, like, approval from her dad. And there's all these layers in there of, like, yeah, why we do the things we do and how we... um, we we affect our kids in positive and often negative ways. Totally. It, it, you know, it's like that was shitty for her dad to say to her when she was a kid. Like that was wrong yeah. then. And, and unfortunately, she thought it was a good thing and passed it on again. And it's like ugh, that like n- no one can deal with that kind of pressure, especially like children. How many like, people create works of genius? How many? <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> like... Right. Yeah. You, 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 in order to live on, you have to create a work of genius. Okay, I'll work on that. I'll get right on that, mom. Like, what do you do? Four children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. But yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It, it is, and and even that, like, it doesn't even work the way you'd think. Like, I don't know, something that was genius like a hundred years ago. Like, we we probably know about some of those things, but like. Probably couldn't tell you much more than yeah. that. Tons of very, very, very successful people are very, are very much forgotten and uh, did left a mark in some way, but it's since disappeared. Which also, like thematically, kind of works in with the ferryman being like, "Your story's got to be good enough. We're going to tell your story, your life story, and if it's good enough, you're going to kind of go through the gates and live on in a way." And so it kind of connects those two things. I thought was interesting. Yeah, 
yeah, perfect connection for those. I, I totally agree. From here, we get a kind of random memory of a phone call in the middle of the night. And, you know, also, I guess we may or may not have said this. This whole game's first person, obviously, because it's with blinks. But so, you know, you're going down the hallway, a phone's ringing, and then your memory just cuts off. You get piano lessons from your mom. You get a camera that you take pictures with. Ernie, the cat, goes missing and then comes back pregnant a few weeks later and has kittens. Uh, the dad thought Ernie was a boy, and there's an amusing conversation between the parents about that. Oh, dad. <laughs> it was the ultimate oh, dad kind of thing. You're like, you you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're just kind of winging it. <laughs> but he's, he's endearing. So, yep, cat has kittens. You get another kind of weird memory where you have a dark, scary kitchen, dark, scary kitchen uh, that you're like walking through again at night, sort of similar to the phone call. uh, But then it just kind of ends. You also get more more piano lessons. Did anyone struggle to get through those where you were like, I know because they're very, very long, drawn out scenes where you're trying not to blink because and there's like ominous music where it's kind of implying that this is really important. And but the metronome is ticking, so you're like, I can't blink, I can't blink, I can't blink, and you're trying to get through, and then I inevitably I didn't, but then I'm like, oh, what happened? Like, what what am I missing? And that kind of, and we kind of come back to it later in the game. Fortunately, they kind of give you a second chance at it. But yeah, no, I I struggled with those. I contacts where I have dry eyes. It uh, it was a battle. Yeah, for sure. I same. I I struggled a lot. And it's fun to know, like, watch someone else play it and, like, them go, like, oh, like, I can't keep my eyes open. What are they? Why not? And and knowing there the reasons. Mm. There are mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. I'd want to forget. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the same struggle as well. This kind of early childhood kind of wraps up with just kind of piano lessons increasing and... I think mom becoming a bit harsher of a teacher as it kind of goes on. Like, I think at first she want, it it felt like you want this because you're talented, but then as it like, and this could be cool for you. And as Jacob mentioned earlier, it kind of slides more into, I want to live my dreams through you. So you need to practice in a way. I think you should, even though you're eight or whatever, we get a new kind of time jump forward, which I think is maybe around like fifth grade, uh, sixth grade, somewhere in there. And you have a new neighbor next door, a girl named Chloe. And you you kind of meet her, and it's sort of awkward. Um, but she's sort of interested in being friends, but sort of not. And it seems like it puts you forward as sort of like shy, weird kid uh, kind of thing. You also have Benny perform at his house for his parents' friends, which I, I imagine wasn't great experience. Um, but, you know, he's really good at piano. So it was, you know... That was all right, but I don't feel like I... I would hate being in that situation. I'd feel awful being him. Okay, what else happens here? You've got class with Chloe. She kind of writes them, writes you a weird note. Like, hey, just because you're my neighbor, but we're at school, I don't know you kind of thing. Really like the mean version of, of Check Yes Juliet. Like that that vibe. An early... What is that? Like an early aughts punk rock song? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And 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 that that's very much so the thing. But then you get the next cutover is Benny and Chloe playing video games 
together after school at Benny's house. So you sort of have this weird relationship that's developed with Chloe of she's your neighbor next door and you kind of do things when you're not at school, but at school she won't talk to you and acts like you're not real. She's kind of a weird kid too, let's be real. Chloe's a little weird in an endearing kind of way, but I'm like, oh, I see how these two are friends because they're both kind of weird. If you're the second weirdest kid in class, people won't make fun of you. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Takes one to know one. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's totally it. I, I think that's spot on. Another big thing we have in Benny's life is he gets to audition for this like special music school. And his parents even have some conflict regarding this. As his dad's like, Benny's starting to make friends. Chloe's his friend, his neighbor. Like He didn't really have friends before this, it seems. But then his mom's kind of in the, but he's talented. If you're talented, you could go places. We should, like, go all in for that. So you sort of see some tension in the parents in this moment. And you've seen it a little bit along the way. You'll you'll hear, like, side comments during some of the memories that are, uh, the parents not getting along great. From here, you get an opportunity where Chloe invites you to go to the beach with her at night the day before your like big performance to get into this school and you can say yes or no if you'll go um did you guys go to this oh i totally went of course i went to the beach and this is kind of where i am sure it's there a little bit earlier too but where you do get narrative choices a little bit i don't know how much it affects the story because i i haven't replayed it but you do get choices to make and then also you can just choose to like not do something like you could choose to, um, there was something, uh, something in the car that we're getting to where you could like choose to throw a crumple, pe- crumple up a piece of paper. Yeah. And, or you can not, or you can just like not blink at that choice and then the choice goes away. So it's not like entirely a concrete story. You can make little, little personality narrative choices, which I liked. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I actually didn't go to the beach, but I watched a playthrough that did go to the beach. So I got to experience both, and it added a scene with new kind of layers to it, which was cool. On on the beach, Chloe kind of tells you more about her life and tells you about her cousin, and it sounds like the cousin's kind of dominant in conversation, things like that. And Chloe's like, oh, I don't really like that about him. Like, I never get a word and no one listens to me, but you listen to me. And that's pretty cool. And I don't know, you get to kind of see uh, another side to her that on my first playthrough, I didn't really actually see a lot of because I skipped this part. So that was cool to watch that unfold. But Benny's performance goes poorly. And this happens either way. I didn't go to the beach the first time, but um, the performance goes badly. He bombs uh, and doesn't get into the music school. So tell me what happens if you don't go to the beach. Because if you go to the beach, uh, the way the performance goes is there's a mechanic in the game where imagine that you have a piano and there's a, a highlighted part of the piano that maybe moves left and right as you're playing. And you just have to like keep your mouse cursor on that highlighted part of the piano. In the way where you essentially stay up all night with Chloe, you your eyes start to blur and really like there's no way that you can succeed. If you get a good night's rest, is it still the same just because of nerves? I think how I remember it is you still like vomit. I don't know if you get the blurry vision part, but you still like can't keep up with the uh, the spinning highlight piano keys kind of thing and still like botch it. 
So, yeah, if you botch it, <laughs> bummer for you, but bigger bummer for your mom um, because she, as we've mentioned, is trying to live kind of her dreams here. You again kind of see the increasing fighting with mom and dad, as we mentioned before. It's, it's not great there. Then you get a part where you go to the doctor. Uh, is kind of a next memory forward. And Benny's sick, and he's going to need to be home uh, for a while. So a, a serious enough illness that he's got to stay home for a bit. And then you kind of get another cutscene moving forward to walking in the hallway, and you can hear Benny's parents talking about him being at home for a while from school. And they're talking about how they can motivate him. I think basically being like, oh, he's going to be home from school for a while. We can't, like, I don't know, just let him play video games this whole time. Yeah, mom kind of sucks in that way. She's like, you have to be productive, son. I'm like, yo, he's sick. I, I just thought, like, maybe he's got mono or something or chicken yeah. pox. And that's why he's home. And that's just a vehicle for what comes next. Like, the the discovery of his talent beyond music. I'm not going to say more words. <laughs> <save> that. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I was like, man, lighten up. Like I have mono. Let me play video games. Yeah. Come on, mom. Let me have pop tarts and play video yeah, games. Totally. Right. <laughs> you don't understand me. Um, that's, that's how I felt. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So mom doesn't want you to play video games. She instead like, is like, do something productive. And so Benny gets super into drawing and art. He's got like a little boat that he had when he was a kid. And you draw it like a bunch of times and you can see Benny get better. Uh, you end up seeing him him win an award for his art. I guess sometime after he gets to go back to school. Then you have a pretty big fast forward. You've got Benny putting in an application to art school. So I assume that that moment's like, I don't know, senior year of high school. But then you jump forward again, and it's Benny in an art class taught by this, like, prestigious artist who doesn't want you to teach you how to do art. He wants you to teach you how to become an artist kind of thing. So sort of that (laughs) viewpoint there. And Benny ends up creating this masterpiece that his teacher absolutely loves and is, like, floored by Benny's, like, soaring through becoming, like, an art guy. Yeah, his teacher gave me, like, like burnout artist community college vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yes, he discovered Benny's talent. And Benny would be nothing without this teacher. Yes, he's very, very, very proud of Benny, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I like that you could kind of choose what you were drawing. You, if you, you, you don't blank, the um, what you're going to put on the canvas changes between three different things. And you can kind of pick something. Again, it's, like, minimal changes to like your playthrough but it's i liked i liked having some choices that that made it feel slightly unique that was my partner's favorite (laughs) she does love drawing things i remember this from another game when you keep your eyes open and then the let's say there's like a a fruit bowl and the fruit bowl can change between three or like kind of cubist versus abstract versus realism yeah yeah Ooh. Ooh, oh, okay. Hey now, that's right. I know. So- Give me the art terms. Let's go. <laughs> Impressionism. Bam! I'm done. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. Uh, a, I guess mild difference in the in the mechanic itself. I thought that was really interesting. 
uh, to see in fun. Ultimately, Benny ends up having like this huge art show that goes well. You get kind of two, again, kind of branching paths of advice. Your mom leaves you a voicemail and is like, hey, you know, when opportunity comes knocking, it's not a sellout to go and make a much, bunch of money doing something you like. Like, you don't have to be a starving artist. So that's the first voicemail you get. The next one is from your art teacher saying, don't go for money. Be a starving artist. It's much cooler. Um, <laughs> you should do that. Like, that's where true art is. True art's in suffering kind of thing. And so you get the opportunity to kind of choose either one. Where did you two go on this? Oh, I totally was like, no, I'm going to be successful and renowned. Because, like, the best are renowned. You know, a starving artist is like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a niche group that thinks you're amazing. But, like, the really best, you know, you're, you're, you can travel. Honestly, I, I was like, oh, I get to travel. If I'm world-renowned, I get to travel the world. So I want to travel. So, yeah. No, I went successful. Take the money. Take the money. That's what I did too. It doesn't mean it's, <laughs> doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean I'm painting bad things. I'm a starving artist today. <laughs> I want to make the money in the video game. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find you can find the uh, the Patreon for this show uh, on the website for the greatest story I ever played. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm starving. Um, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, I, I went the same as both of you. I also went. If someone's going to give you money to do art, yeah, for the sure. thing that you want to do, yeah, totally do it. Um, the playthrough I watched did do the artist one. It does seem like it works out either way, but it cuts to you after this. You're in Egypt doing art. You know, there's tourists around there, like, oh my god, is that Benjamin Brin? Uh, so your renown is there. You have a uh, an agent who will call you and leave you messages about like how great you are. You sign a contract, all that stuff. That is a stereotypical agent because that's what agents are like. So, like, it's a stereotype because it's, it's real. And I want to make one comment quickly. The, the choice in this game isn't really choice. Yes. It's, it's giving you the, the, uh, the appearance mm-hmm. of choice, but they are, they are telling you a very linear narrative. Mm-hmm giving you the illusion of choice maybe three or four times throughout the experience. It kind of like just shifts the flavor slightly, but like you are, yes, you're, we're all getting the same story. We're not like, oh, what happened in your game? And what happened in your game? It's like, no, I just made this choice. But yes, totally. They have a very specific story. We're having jello. Is it strawberry or cherry jello? I don't know what you're eating. We all ate jello. Yep. Exactly. I think that's spot on. Like like with Telltale games or really a lot of the choice kind of focused games of a lot of it has to do with your experience of what happens, but the story will go where it will go. I think there's a small difference between like Telltale games where I always imagine those games like a diamond where like episode one, your character is in one place. And then as you get to episode three, you do expand out a little bit and there is some agency to make choice, but they usually bring you back to one decision that may have one or two permutations, but this game is like not a diamond, just a line. Yeah, sure. <laughs> just a little squiggly line. Like yeah, squig- little branches squiggly off. Squiggly line is line. the perfect way to say this. Yes, that is. There, it's a specific story. This is a story, but you can kind of like eh, you can wiggle a little bit, and you can kind of make it a, slightly your own. 
I like that. That's I am gonna start picturing both of those when I play games now. Yeah, I feel like the squiggle game. line versus the diamond versus the diamond. I like that because you're right. It, it gives you sort of that feel, but really, at the end of the day, you're gonna go to similar-ish places, and that's okay because you know the experience is a big part of those games. It's not like I don't know truly manufacturing choice in the way that you have it in your life or something. So yeah, totally. That's great. Let's see. So from here, you get to go abroad. You're in Egypt. Yeah, all that, like we talked about. Benny is a fantastic artist. He becomes renowned. He becomes rich. People know him. You get a voicemail from your mom that says, hey, I've been like, uh, I've been sick uh, a little bit, but it's not a big deal. Like, keep pursuing art. I'm going to be fine. But I just wanted to let you know I, I had this appointment, whatever kind of thing. Then your next scene is your mom's funeral. So it was not all right. And you're sad now. (laughs) And you go to speak at your mom's funeral and nothing happens. You're like dad kind of invites you up there. It's like, you know, her prodigy, like her finest work of art. Like he'll come up here to speak and then you don't have anything to say. But why was the funeral empty? Like, that's the thing that I I thought was, like, a really interesting choice. Like, obviously, they've not shown many people on screen, so it was probably a technical Mm. limitation. But I just thought, like, it was really poignant that no one was at the mother's funeral. And I don't know if that was because that's what Benny thought of her mother, that that he didn't remember anyone but her, that he thought she had no friends or no family. But I think that that was probably not an intentional, like big fight that internally they had on the dev team, but I think it was like a really poignant small detail that maybe some didn't notice. I don't know. Or think about. Yeah, I don't know which how I feel about that. I don't know if... I don't think that it it's, it's telling you Benny's opinion of his mother because I think that... I think you can tell that Benny did love his mother, that like he understood where it was coming from, even though it was frustrating at times. I don't know. I don't know if it... Or just like this alone feeling, but although what we're going to talk about soon kind of shows that that scene isn't exactly what um, it's initially portrayed to be. Um, And so this was the moment where I was like, wait, I've heard a lot about this game. I feel like the, 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 there's kind of like a, there was a thing on Twitter where people who had played it would kind of would uh, post a picture of themselves post having played the game. And they're just like a wreck, like they're all disheveled and red eyed <laughs> and and maybe still tear stained. And it was a thing that happened on Twitter. And then I so I went into this game thinking like, oh, I, I cry. I'm a crier, man. If I am outside of like the most middle emotion, I'm crying, whether it's happy, sad, anything. So I was like, well, I'm going to get wrecked. I'm just going to be just a disaster. <laughs> like I was, came in prepped and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, like, I mean, this is kind of sad. Like my mom died and like, yeah, I didn't answer the phone for the last time she called and like, it's, it's sad, but it didn't, affect, it didn't bother me like deeply. And I was like, this can't be, there's got to be something here that is going to happen. And I'm also like, what, like two thirds of the way done the, the game. So I was like, where are we going with this where I'm going to get wrecked and then it and then it happens shortly after we have like a little a little hey Katie and the oh my god the prestige yeah so we have a little break where we talk to the fairy man and then it kind of sets up things are not as they seem yes Oh, yeah. uh, I thought that, too, when I got to the funeral, because same thing. My anticipation was, 
okay, I'm gonna get wrecked in this game. This is what people are saying. Like, video games make me cry, so this will probably happen to me too. And then this happened, and I was like, okay, all right. Then you end up in this spot to kind of wrap up Benny's adult life is you've got Benny kind of in his studio just doing art of his mom kind of ignoring the world at large. Like, he's got photos of his mom he's doing his art of. He's gotten voicemails from his agent, like, saying, how can I tell the people my client's not talking to me? You know, all of that stuff. And you just keep ignoring it. You keep doing your art. And then you get a haunting voicemail from your dad, which was the first time I cried playing this game, (laughs) that I thought was pretty brutal. Uh, Would one of you want to read that? Yeah, can I can I give a shot? Do it. Hey B, just calling to tell ya, I think I'm selling the house. She's everywhere here, son. I can't move without bumping into her. And then I just find myself breaking down again. I hope you understand. (laughs) Brutal. It hurts so much. And for me at least in that moment, I just sort of imagine that whole feeling of like how fucking awful it would be to be at the house where your significant other or spouse like isn't there anymore, but you built your life there with them. I was just like, this hurts so much. <laughs> uh, and that well, my vo- brain went somewhere else too. Like, have your parents sold? Have your parents sold your childhood homes? Because mine haven't, and I know it's not the same. But my mind went to how sad I would feel if my parents sold our childhood home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're you and if you have lost a parent too and you're like, "No, that's my attachment to that parent." But you also don't have to live there every day whereas the the spouse has to live there every day. Like whereas you are just visiting and you're like, "Oh, happy memories," but they're like, "No, it's 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 every day. Like I can't just stay here and do this." Yeah. Right. No, that that's huge. My 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 parents' childhood home, like or the one I grew up in, is long gone. Like we don't live there, they don't live there, or anything like that. But that would be, yeah, I, that's a, that's a really good comparison because I feel like that would be really hard being, you know, twenties, thirties, and being like, oh, but like this house has been so important to all of us, you know. That's that's a good comparison. So Benny returns home before his dad sells the place. You get to pick up some stuff at your parents' house, one of the things you pick up is your mom's old piece she was working on when you were a kid that uh, her mentor rejected. And Benny ends up making an art art show based on his mom's piece. And there's, like, a comment on there that, like, although his mom was an unknown in her time, she was actually an amazing composer, and no one recognized it, basically. But because of Benny's art, it, like, brought it to the forefront for people... And then you run into Chloe uh, as an adult and she has to get a drink after the show and then Ferryman calls you back, like Katie said. So, okay. Ferryman then tells you that let's practice kind of presenting your case to the gatekeeper because we're almost there. And he asks you a series of questions about your life and he has you bring blank on like the left side or the right side to answer them. So like, was your childhood happy or lonely? Was your mom in a composer or an accountant? Was she an encouraging or demanding teacher? What was Chloe to you? Was she your best friend or was she your first love kind of thing? And you sort of answer these questions so he can fill in the story for you. And so then the ferryman starts like telling the story as he's going to do it. But then while he's telling it, 
in his like practice version, the birds around him all start squawking. And the ferryman turns to you and he says, these aren't ordinary birds. These are liar birds. They know you're lying. This is what happens to people when you try to lie to the gatekeeper. You get turned into these boats and, or these birds. And so I keep them with me on the boat because I feel bad that I couldn't present their case well enough to get into the gatekeeper city. So you've got to tell me the truth so you don't turn into a bird and you get to go into the city. So now we're going to head back into your memory. I'm going to re-examine it because I know you haven't told me the truth. Yeah. Okay, so Ferryman takes you back down memory lane and he starts skipping through details you're looking for. So you like you start off on the beach and he's like, no, this isn't it. Keep moving. You go to like another detail and he's like, no, that's not it. Keep moving. And you arrive at the phone call that we had uh, in the middle of the night and where right before we were straining to be able to make it to the phone call, but we never got there before. Now we can make it because it holds out for us they and force you to make yeah it. if you don't make it it will be like nope try again like the ferryman's like up oh, try again we got to do it like we got we have to look at this memory and it's very ominous this that that entire section i was like oh no oh this is bad this is gonna be so bad and then yeah it's, it's like nope we're doing this we're looking at it and we're gonna find what the issue is and we're gonna examine and i was like oh great same really anxious heading into this time and then anxious as we got our reveals and this phone call was that your mom got a call that grandpa died before he visited for that performance that you were going to give pretty traumatic sad we then move to another traumatic memory we'd forgotten in the dark scary kitchen and we're walking towards the patio and you get there and coyotes have killed the kittens that Ernie had. This was the worst. Also, my game glitched out here, so I had to do it multiple times, and <laughs> it was horrible. No! I don't know how you guys feel, but animals being killed in video games are like the one thing that I dislike. Killing dogs in Resident Evil, don't like it. Uh, having animals die in this game, don't like it. Please don't. It hurt. This was the first time replaying the game, watching my partner play it, where I, I actually teared up. Because I knew what was coming, and it still didn't make it any less difficult to see. It, it, I was like, oh, that's terrible. But that didn't gut me that much. I don't know. I don't know if it was just so, like, sudden and detached from everything else that it felt not, and, like, no one's commenting on it. There's no one talking about it. So it didn't feel as, not real, but, like, kind of. Like, it didn't, you know, it, I didn't have to sit with it that much. So it, it, I don't know, it didn't. It didn't deeply affect me that much. I got gutted three times when I replayed it. Mom died this moment, and then basically the yeah. whole last <laughs> the last act, yeah. Uh, and I would say that these were just like, you know, tears in my eyes. Where like at the end of the game, even though I knew it was coming, I still bawled like a little child. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So, not just me, because I can't. So I. Yeah. <laughs> So I knew it was like, what, an hour and a half experience, maybe maybe talk two hours tops. I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this room and I it, I, I've, it has to read my blinks. So I'm like, I'm going to go into like the office, set up. It's a whole thing. And I'm going into this room and I was all peppy and happy and like, oh, I'm going to play this game. Everyone says it's amazing and all this stuff. And I like told my spouse that I was like, oh, hey, 
I'm going to go in there. I'm going to play this game. It's probably going to mess me up. Heads up. He's like, okay, you're crazy, but you do that. Have fun <laughs> playing your sad game. Um, and then I left the room literally like shoulders shaking, sobbing. Like I was distraught. I, I, I don't think I've ever had that uh, experience with such a short game where it just it shifted my and I stayed in that space the rest of the night and like a bit into the next day where I was just like I just I don't know, it just hung with me and I just kept thinking about it and like thinking about aspects of the game and yeah it really it really sticks with you even like telling the story to like my sister was like oh what's this game about I was like well this happens and then this happens and then and then the story shifts and then and then what happened and I would just like I just cried I was like oh I have to do a pod and I have to like keep it together this time like I can't just you know lock up so yeah it's it's a tough one it's an experience 100% I definitely had the big sobs too by the end as well I think this is the game I've most cried at and I've cried at a fair amount of games and like games that get me there and this one certainly did (laughs) like if it if it's got an emotional story that's going to make me feel pretty sad I'm totally down with that kind of game and this one might have the might have the crown there like this was so heavy I'm thinking of other games that like made me feel and I would even say, like, you know, the games that I think of walking simulator-wise, like Gone Home and What Remains to Be the Finch, I don't think they made me cry as much as they just, like, made me feel. Mm. Like, maybe I cried one time at What Remains of the Finch, and maybe at the end I felt a bunch of levity at Gone Home, but I think there are very few games that have actually made me cry. Like, I will cry during a sad movie. Like, you're going to have me watch Like Crazy or the uh, Spectacular Now, or um, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, like, I will cry. But very few games have made me cry. Um, You know what weirdly made me cry? Not weirdly, but I was surprised, and I was like, I feel like a lot of people didn't have this exact reaction. There's one part near the end of A Night in the Woods that I, it really affected me for some reason. They dive into, like, the mental health of the main character, and she's very upset and, like, feels out of control. And I was like, oh, oh, what's happening? I didn't, yeah, and I, 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 bust, I just busted apart. But but this one definitely takes the cake, of course. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> that, I, I'm, I think this is the perfect trio, too, to be going through this of emotionally impacted game. And we're all like, yeah, we're totally fine with that. We want that to happen yeah, to us. So sad, I think that, I, I think this is... <laughs> Yeah, I think this is the ideal trio that will let it feel things. So I think this is good. Make me cry, Game Daddy. Let's go. (laughs) Right. And much it does. Yeah. Coyotes, kittens, sad, didn't like it. Really unfortunate. So then you go to that conversation where your parents were talking after you were sick. And the conversation goes a little deeper where you're like in the hallway. And before we'd heard like we could remember how to motivate but there's a line in there from your mom that says, what's the point if he's never going to get better? Mm. Oh, and then Man. the dad's like, you can't say that. What if he hears you? Yeah. And also anytime you hear your dad, because most of the game, your dad's been very like, ah, shucks. And like, good golly. And like, hey, kiddo, you're doing great. And like, and then any, anytime you heard him uh, talking seriously, it was like, oh, it, it, it affected you, right? Because it's like, it recalls to when you're a kid and you hear your parents having like serious conversation and you're like, oh, this is, 
this is serious things like this is sad or upsetting or angry things like it's like oh and then um the other thing is that the first time that it makes you just close your eyes i feel like it is because i think you're right they near the end of the game a few times like a handful of times they have a thing where it's like oh it has the blinking thing but it's saying to shut your eyes and i was like oh no and you shut your eyes and you just hear in your headphone i played with headphones um your parents talking and it was like oh like if you're a kid and it's like at night and you're overhearing something that you're not supposed to hear and it just like it really brought it home and that, that's one of the things where the mechanics um, drive home the story or the emotions that they're trying to make you feel so effectively with a mechanic that I um, that I haven't experienced before. Like I haven't I'd experienced that mechanic where a game is like, no, close your eyes and then we're going to do this. We're going to move the story forward, but not until you do that. And then, of course, you're teary eyed. So you close your eyes and then they just start streaming because that's how, you know, eyes work. So good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. After this, you pick up with Benny sick on his bed. Mom brings you a typewriter. She said that, I don't know, her dad used to use it or something. And says, here, you could like use this to write maybe while you're bored, uh, at, stuck at home. And Benny asks what to write. Mom suggests, how about you write the story of your life so far and what you want to do when you get better? So Benny goes, <laughs> yeah. The sadness begins here, um, very much so. And so Benny goes to writing. He gets super invested in this project. There's a part where Chloe comes over and he shares the story with her. Benny has an MRI. Later on, Mom asks if she could read the story because, you know, you'd like Chloe. And you say yes. Then after this, you hear Mom and Dad in the hallway talking about the story. And Mom's not ready to share her thoughts on the story yet with Benny because I don't know she's just not there so dad comes and he's like hey mom thought your story was great and so did I yeah dad being such a dad dad being such a dad he's like that's a great story kiddo that's uh that's something you did there that that's great and it's and yeah it just it kind of cracked me up like dad trying to save You're face colored in the lines yeah. and go, also kiddo. trying to like cover up his emotions to just be like hey and like he's extra corny because he's trying not to like let it show that he's super upset uh-huh oh yeah then you see big red spots that sort of represent this sickness i think that benny's going through on the screen and you sort of begin this routine of like eating taking your medicine you've got a um i don't know if it's morphine but like that you press the button and it makes you feel better yeah i think it was it was yeah morphine. it's like a pain it, it felt like pain mitigation hey katie why <laughs> yes. don't i mansplain how to <laughs> yes I yes katie is the expert here for, for a good decade now uh yeah it's a pain control <laughs> pump where you can push it um so however frequently and you know and when your pain gets yeah intense yeah, tell tell me about that, Jacob. Um, also, <laughs> um, before this, with the typewriter, he's he's typing this story, but then it shifts and he types. He kind of like goes back to reality, and then he types this. This messed me up when he types. Oh, Benny wasn't great. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't anything. He was a coward who couldn't fight the disease that was killing him. And I was like, oh my god, that part. It it 
that's like the hard shift that really, really affected me. This child is 11. That's some, ha- well, he's dealing with some heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wild though. Yeah. Ugh. It's so painful. It's yeah. That, that really hurt seeing him be so harsh on himself when he's somewhere that like is so unfair to be in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's shitty. After this, you get an angry phone call from Chloe. And it's like, I don't even think you are sick. You're faking it. I know it. And you kind of find out in this that Benny didn't tell her she, he was sick. That he just kind of was like, yeah, I'm just going to like let ignore this and it'll work itself out. And so she's super hurt because you didn't reach out and tell her what was going on. And also, isn't this when you also find out that her father or her her one of her parents passed away as well? And so she's like, she has this trauma that I'm sure she has this internal defense mechanism that's built up against like, you're not going to die. I'm not going to have someone else in my life that's going to pass away. And it's just so sad when they add that layer in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was really, yeah, hard to hear of that. Chloe had already had experience with someone close dying that, like you said, I think her mom had died. And so Benny's parents step in and they're like, we've got to tell them what's going on. Like, you can't. I, I think that dad was kind of taking the like, oh, I don't want to step on Benny's toes. Mom's like, you can't do that. This is serious. And I, I'm, I'm guessing Benny kind of played it off like we talked about earlier of like, oh, I have mono or something. And so Chloe was like, yeah. okay, you're sick, whatever. And then it's like, no, this is way more serious. Like, And so then Chloe comes and visits you. And she says she has a gift she wants to leave you, but she doesn't want you to open it while you're there. So she asks you to close your eyes, like the mechanic Katie mentioned. And so you close your eyes, and then you open it. You have a note, and it's a really nice note instead. And it's something like, you are my first love, or something like that, because you've mentioned that in your story before that you'd let her read. The big red spot, red spot continues to grow, and it gets to the point where it basically covers the whole screen, like... You can barely eat or take the medicine. Like, you'll try to go as fast as you can, and you can't even, like, do it. That hurt also, seeing the mechanics. Like, it felt like betray you because your body had betrayed you before. You're like, okay, cool. Hit the morphine, eat my sandwich, take my pills for the day, whatever. And now you can't even, like, do it. And it's feeling bad. Yep. It just gets worse. It just gets, you're just like, oh, this is just getting worse and worse. And the big red spot is like, has like this drone about it. Like this, like it's super imposing and it's, yeah, it's, it's a rough go. It's like a big flying spaghetti monster. If you're, sure. If you're, uh, not a player of the game. <laughs> just like that. Of death. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and while you're looking at it too, like ferryman's like, all right, I don't need to see any more of this. Like, I don't got to see this, but you can like persist if you like keep your eyes open and ferryman like keeps trying to call you back. Like, you don't got to go through this, man. And you come back then to the ferryman and the ferryman has sort of this moment of self-reflection where he says, I've wondered for a while if I wasn't a good enough storyteller or if I didn't have fancy enough words to appeal to the gatekeeper. But maybe that stuff's all overrated. Maybe it's just telling the truth of what really happened. Maybe that's what I should do. You get towards the gatekeeper, and it's a cat with one eye, and it's ready to hear your story. You then flash back again, and 
you get Benny's mom coming in to talk to you after she's read the story and is willing to talk about it. And she says, hey, Benny, I'd read your story. I thought you did a really good job. Like, you're a great writer, that kind of stuff. But one thing I didn't like was I didn't feel like I really liked your main character. I don't feel like I got to really know him. And so I decided to write my own story of the Benjamin brand that I know. And I'd like to read that to you. And we've got that here. So <laughs> would one of you want to tell us the great life of Benjamin Brin? Katie, I think that you and I, because of how it went in the game, like how it flipped back and forth between the the ferryman and your mother, I think it would be really cool if it was there was a male and female voice. Sure. You're just trying to make me cry. I know what, I know what this is about. But sure. Yeah, this is Let's. this is me getting you back for the very good nurse mansplaining burn that <laughs> yeah. you had a few minutes Let's ago. Let's do it. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll start with this first paragraph. Benjamin Brin was born into an ordinary home to an ordinary mother and father in a small town by the sea. His mother was a composer, or at least that's what she dreamed she'd be. So when her dreams didn't pan out, she began to dream for him. But then, when he was just 11 years old... He got sick and was forced to stay inside for an entire year. And in that year, he began to worry that he hadn't lived enough. So he made up a story of the great life he thought he wanted to live, which made him forget the great life he already had. How he had filled a new home with joy and light and promise. How he met a girl, his neighbor, who felt all alone in the world and made her feel okay again. And how, even when he was sick, he gave his parents hope how he reminded them of exactly who they were after they had almost forgotten. So when he knew he was going to go, he was okay, because he'd already lived a great life, a full life, and he was everything he needed to be, just as he was. Tears. All the tears. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, we did it. Good job, both of you. Now here, of course, we're all crying uh, when we played, very much so. And the gatekeeper says, yes. Come on in. Heaviest game ever. We did it. Um, <laughs> so that, 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 uh, I thought that story was really great. I guess before we get into general things, I thought that story was fantastic. And like the, I, I don't know, ultimate like loving mom thing ever. Like we saw her be not great quite a few times, but then like, it does seem like this sickness woke up in his parents who they were before, like she mentions in the story. Like, you see them coming together for their son and how to support them and each other. And, oh, uh, that, that those, like, final lines, he was everything he needed to be, just as he was. It was, like, it just really hit that, like, I don't know. We all have expectations on ourselves or feel them from other people or any of those things. And just this, like, you're fine from your mom kind of thing. Like, oh, man. That was super powerful. I think that like this r really made me think again about like our own mortality. Um, that we can have a grand life or we can have a life where we are stranded in a bed for the final year very sick and we all end up in the same place. In this game we end up in this river of souls uh, who may or may not get fished out Um but we'll all end up in the same place. And I think the thing that we didn't mention is that the, the or me, I think you did, that the gatekeeper is a one-eyed cat. 
which like had some nice parallels with the one-eyed cat that that you had in your life that was touched or, or was it really that cat was looking out for you is that also like a spiritual interpretation of a, or rather just a spiritual interpretation i don't know um but when the the final song hits um ollie lewin ollie lewins wow words whew, uh the song's called mesh uh when that hits i'm just like i get the same vibes i get with a lot of like indie romantic comedies or like indie dramas of like oh i'm gonna cry oh this is the perfect song uh and the credits are gonna go and i'm still gonna be bawling my eyes out yeah no, what she just said. And it, you know what? This calls back to um, your explanation of branching stories that end up in the same place. It's a diamond. We we go off and do our thing, but we all end up at the same spot. Wow. Callbacks, man. Are you saying D- Benny's a, a diamond in the rough also? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were trying to say no. in, in the humanity is rough. No, no, I'm saying that our stories rough. are diamonds, that we all start in the same place and we end in the Got same it. place and our experiences branch off to where they go. But like, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, like we all, it all, it all gets to the same spot. We all end up as worm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. It is. Uh, yeah. Oh man. What a, what a game. What a game. So I imagine there are probably things we may want to say about this game that somehow didn't come up along the way. I think for me, my kind of one thing that I wanted to say before is uh, I think this might be the best game I played. And we're recording this in January. Like this might be the best game I play this year. Um, and The year just started. But like this has set such a high bar. This game was so emotionally impactful, uh, truly unique, like Jacob had mentioned, like Uh, you know as someone who does a gaming podcast i play a lot of different games and so it's not that often now that i will play something and i'll be like whoa i've never seen this before but this had that um which is cool um i don't know this game's special i feel like it's gonna stay with me for a long time um so yeah i don't know i think it's pretty cool like i said before this is my number one game of 21 Uh, my top three just if you're curious uh ratchet and clank rift apart inscription in this um, and I think that this, I played this and I'm like, oh, this is my game of the year. Like I already knew because it was the the blinking mechanics so novel. It reminded me a lot of your Gone Homes, your What Remains of Edith Finch, your Somas, your Firewatches even of like a story that hits and stays with you. Um, I thought it was really cool to see the parallels of keeping the, the, something I wrote is just like the pain of keeping your eyes open and the pain your character went through. Almost having you take on part of that yourself as the player physically was interesting. Uh, but no, this game's tops. And if, if you've somehow made it through this and you still haven't played before your eyes, um, the game is literally nine ninety nine on on Steam or whatever. It, you could probably get it on sale for even less. Uh, you have no excuse. Like, this this game's incredible. And I think that this is going to make me play maybe some of the other walking sims I haven't played. Unfinished Swan, That Dragon Cancer especially. Um, so bring on the walking sims that I haven't played. Let's go. Katie's nodding. Nope. Katie's like, nah, not, nah, nope, no, not way. playing that. Maybe later. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a wonderful game. That's, you know, means a lot and is, but I'm like, no, I don't need to play another one of those of, uh, of sick dying children games right now. <laughs> okay. I'll take a break. Um, <laughs> if you're, are you, is that it for you, Jacob? Or Yeah. So, um, I'll just expand on that. So also, not only is the blinking mechanic novel, 
but it's well executed because like a game could have this mechanic and it's and not be good like it, it, just because it's new doesn't mean it's executed well so the fact that it's such a new thing that hasn't really been used and and it's used so well like it like we said it makes you f- put your full attention on the game and also as far as storytelling it the feeling that I got was that it you're being propelled forward kind of no matter what and it like you know like life and time is passing and there's really nothing you can do about it because you're gonna blink there's some person out there I'm sure was like I cannot blink for 10 minutes but the average person is like I gotta blink so you you're going you're kind of forced to move forward in the story and stuff just kind of escapes you or stuff goes away or, or you miss things and it's it's so akin to life and I don't know. It's just there's so many layers that how it affected how the story is told and how um, effective it was and how they got those emotions out of you more effectively because of how the mechanic was used. So I I love that. I feel like it's the time where I've seen a game mechanic linked with story the most effectively where it served the story so much in so many different ways that I was just super impressed with it. And it made me cry my eyes out. Because it's really, really sad. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I Like you said, if if somehow you haven't played it yet and you're like, well, now I know what happens. No, I would still suggest you play it. There's so much to be gained from just, just experience for sure. Totally. That one one thing you'd mentioned in there too, the uh, because of like straying to blank or like that, that experience, like I, I know for me, I had all, ti- all time a bunch of times where I would be like in a scene and I'd want to try to look at something else, but I'd blink too soon and yeah. I'd miss part You'd of be it. Like, oh, I missed something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like when I had watched a, a playthrough like the second time, um, I like saw some things I didn't see the first time because I'd blink too much kind of thing. And that even the whole like, you know, blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Like that's, that's this game, you know, <laughs> it, it embodies that phrase so much and 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 i guess that whole thing of like your life is that way too or whatever like it it can just move like that yeah next thing you know you're like life passes you by in the blink Ah, of an eye it does but yeah and then you're just like you 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 can try and grab a hold of it and try and like stay where you're at but you can't right and it's just like this game like you can't just stay where you're at you you are just being pushed forward through this story yeah yeah you can't like linger on a moment or whatever like if, if you loved a moment you can't you can't stay there like sorry just just like in real life when you're like in a great moment you just have to enjoy it while you're in it but like you know you can't you can't make it go longer than it will or whatever like it it, it just is mm-hmm. kind of thing and i've never had a game do that <laughs> ever you know instead like most games it's like oh cool i'm gonna explore every single thing i can find here or something like that and this one's like Nope, not allowed. Um, you you got to keep going, kind of thing, which was really cool. Yeah, totally agree. Awesome. Yeah, that uh, does anyone else have anything else they want to say about the game before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. Yep. Perfect. Cool. Um, we've got one piece of listener feedback before we wrap up. We've got Soph on Twitter who wrote it and said, "Very uh, clever concept." on how the game is controlled. I don't know whether your eyes were watering uh, because of the story, because you were trying hard not to skip. Um, Both. Very much so. (laughs) Uh, 
my, my eyes struggled keeping open and not blinking, and I was real sad. So, <laughs> definitely both. Um, awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thank you both for coming on again. Uh, I love getting to chat games with you, uh, and this is no exception. I'm really glad we got to talk about Before Your Eyes together. Yes, me too, for sure. Me too. I was super. Me three. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you said, oh, do, do you, I know you two played it. Do you want to talk about Before Your Eyes? I'm like, yes, I want to talk about this game. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm super pumped, and this was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Would you guys want to plug the podcast again real quick uh, before we wind down? Katie, you first oh, this okay. time. Um, so, yes, like I said, me, Jacob, and Travis all do cutscenes, a video game movie podcast. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of, you know. We just have fun. We rip on each other. We, we make jokes. It's not too serious, but it's it can be informative too. Um, it is on all your major podcasting platforms. And also we have a Twitter account. Uh, Jacob will correct me if I'm wrong. Cutscenes underscore pod on Twitter. Hey, I did it. Go ahead, Jacob. Uh, yeah, season, we have three seasons. So like find it. Season four sometime in 2022. Yes. Probably. Um, I host the Left Behind Game Club. Uh, Katie's been on a bunch. Uh, Dan's been on it as well. Um, so if you like video game conversations like these, um, that, you know, if, if I were to compare our shows, I think that um, ours are maybe a little more surface level, um, whereas like you go super deep. Um, but if you're looking for uh, uh, another great video game podcast to listen to, uh, Left Behind Game Club on all major podcasting platforms, uh, we're at leftbehindgame.club. Thank you. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent shows. Check them out. I've loved being on them when I have been on them, and I've loved listening to them when I'm not on them, too. They're great. <laughs> totally great. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at StoryEverPod. Um, our website's thegreatestoryeverplayed.com. That has a backlog of all the episodes we do, um, including ones that Jacob and Katie have been on, uh, and we're wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can at patreon.com slash thegreatestoryeverplayed. There, for as little as a dollar per month, you can hear monthly bonus episodes we do that are more topical in nature. So, like, our favorite games from when we were kids, or uh, our favorite characters in games, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if that interests you, check it out. Um, tell your friends about the show. Uh, love getting to share uh, enjoying video games with more people. So, yeah, please share this with someone, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.